0: This is a glass box media podcast. There is a space between reality and fantasy, between light and dark, between rational and irrational. In this space, There are merchants, purveyors, and traders of all things of value. This space is known all over the world and has many names. Hades, Tophet, and the Inferno are just a few. Most call it Hell, and Hell is where our holiday origin story takes place. Two horrible men, damned for all eternity, suffer even more every year because here, holiday spirit cascades like poison in the air. They are Mr. Beastly and Mr. Gastly, and all are welcome to barter and haggle with them. Come on in. The shop is open round the clock. No shirt, no shoes, no... Soul? No problem, all stories have an origin, even one that ends with, God bless us, every one. It was Christmas Eve. Mr. Beastly could smell it in the air and pinched his nose hastily, in case any of that stinking Christmas spirit happened to make it through. But of course it was useless. The veil of this night was upon every surface, hanging in the air and making its way into tiny crevices and dark corners. There was no escaping it, even in hell. And hell is where this story takes place. It was here in hell that Mr Beastly found himself, desperately shaking the spirit of Christmas Eve off his person, in a fruitless attempt to rid himself of the offence it offered. Nearly every inhabitant of hell detested this day, and the ones that did not were so plunged in regret and sorrow that there was no punishment worse in hell, or even beyond. Mr. Beastly shook his arms. Thick and fat, they were still strong, and turned to complain to his partner, Mr. Gastly. It is worse than the previous year, this cheer I'm feeling. What do you say we close early today, eh? But Mr. Gastly was having none of it. His eyes flashed red with rage and his skin darkened that special hue of green. He put a withered finger to his dark lips and licked them aggressively with his thin, forked tongue that resembled that of a snake a little too much. He smelled money, always money, money in every corner and at any opportunity, and closing up early ran the possibility of missing a profit, What was better than to drown sorrows of such a cheerful occasion like Christmas Eve? Shopping, Mr. Gastly was sure of it. Close early, you are getting dumber and dumber with every stinking year that rolls by. Mr. Gastly spat on the ground and whatever landed there sizzled and evaporated immediately. Hell was not a place of delight and leisure. It was hotter than the sun and more unpleasant than the sulfurous mines. Mr. Beastly looked at his partner, his evil little eyes getting smaller and more menacing, and scowled, revealing a row of frightful sharp teeth. I can't stand the feel of the day, that's all I'm saying. You know how it is. He picked at a tooth with his fat finger. ''It will be this way anywhere you go, so you may as well stay here.'' Mr. Ghastly shook with anger, but he held back, choosing not to assault his partner just yet. ''It is miserable for everyone, and we might as well profit by such pain.'' ''Look, I see a demon float towards us. You suppose he will enter and buy something?'' perhaps a soul to torture at this most unpleasant time, or a curse to unleash on some mortal? He approached the window and smiled to himself, but the smile faded the moment the demon floated by without so much as glancing at the establishment. Bless that ugly creature, Mr. Ghastly cursed in anger. It must be said that the establishment by the name of beastly and ghastly, was the very centre of commerce here in Hell. What it lacked in class and refinement, it made up in the variety of sinister and cruel items it kept on display. All sorts of goods could be found here, some well-known, such as a wide selection of witches' potions, and certainly there were no shortage of witches here in Hell. Others not named, but only carefully whispered, lest the word itself escape on the wind and make some trouble. It was told that this infamous place had brought on many a plague and so many wars. It was impossible to recall them all. It had stood at the same spot for many years, and no doubt would stand here for many centuries still. How did the monstrous pair meet? When did this business commence? That was lost to times, and not even Mr. Beastly nor Mr. Gastly could recall how they had become partners and proprietors of such a monstrosity. They both fell into this line of work as smoothly and naturally as many a politician or a self-proclaimed man of God falls into their line of work until one day they find themselves in the hot bowels of hell. Mr. Beastly was the older of the two, and was named so precisely for his appearance and his rage. A fellow of large stature, Mr. Beastly towered over souls, his fat stomach protruded through his dark hooded robe, all anyone really saw of Mr. Beasley were his sinister dark eyes, peering at them through the blackness and his big, fat arms. But it was also known that underneath that robe, Mr. Beasley was quite hideous. You see, Mr. Beasley was a vain man when he walked the earth. He started wars. He pillaged villages, he raped and murdered. All Mr. Beasley wanted was notoriety and fame, to have it all by conquest or theft, and he was unstoppable until his very end. Countless souls have suffered, and many more have perished. As things go, Mr. Beasley's ultimate punishment was that despite all he had done, not a single soul remembered his name, and his mark on the world was lost forever. Even Mr. Beastly had no recollection of what his real name was, or from what family he had come. Unknown, forgotten, erased, that was Mr. Beastly's ultimate punishment. To top it all off, he was still vain. Therefore, he put the robe over himself so as to hide his hideousness away from dead souls. Yet even that was only a temporary relief, for on occasion a demon would tear Mr. Beastly's robe down and expose his hideousness to the uproarious laughter of those around. No, there was no salvation for Mr. Beastly anywhere in hell even though the place did suit him. Mr. Gastly was younger than his towering partner by many centuries. Unlike Mr. Beastly, Mr. Gastly was shriveled up and tended to resemble a mummy or a dusty old corpse. He did not care much for his appearance. All his thoughts were preoccupied with money Mr. Gastly salivated like a dog when he happened to catch a sniff of the magical scent of money in the air. His nose was so precise that he could tell a rich man even if he happened to be in rags. It is true that Mr. Gasly was a successful businessman when he walked the earth. Success has many benefits, that is certain, but for a man obsessed with wealth and possessions, success only leads to misery. For no matter how much wealth Mr. Gasly had acquired and hoarded, his soul shriveled and shrunk in proportion. It was even rumored that Mr. Gasly had forsaken his own family, had left his sick child dying and perishing, for the surgery was too costly in Mr. Gastly's opinion— the child was headed to the other side anyway. What was the use? The mother had followed after her child, for her heartbreak had gotten the best of her and ruined that young soul completely. But Mr. Gastly did not grieve, for every coin not spent was a coin saved. He was a man of massive wealth, The wealth of such proportions, it was hard to imagine that it was real. Yet Mr. Ghastly had not enjoyed any of it, and as it accumulated, he had parted with a little of his humanity, until there was none of it remaining but a ghastly man, a hideous being with not a shred of decency. Is it possible that Mr. Ghastly had begun to resemble a corpse while living? Quite. Mr. Gastly had abandoned all he knew of the world and shut himself away with his money. That never-ending money, eating nothing and smelling the precious metals underneath his sharp nose. Perhaps Gasly did not even bother dying, preferring to save on the costs of a funeral. With no family and no will. Not one soul, not even Mr. Gastly himself, knew what had happened to all that money upon his death. Yet upon descending into hell, Mr. Gastly had learned that he was to be a pauper for eternity. No matter the business venture, not a single coin made its way to Mr. Gastly, and when it did, turned into ashes the moment Mr. Gastly touched it. Even now, while running a successful business, Mr. Gastly could not keep a single copper coin, not even a wooden token, for everything ended up as a heap of ash. Being addicted to wealth, this drove Mr. Gastly crazy, and every day he lived in torment, like a dog chasing its own tail. Mr. Beastly yawned, and upon inhaling some of the crisp Christmas air, began choking. Immediately, he took out a little silver snuff box with a beautiful design on it and took a pinch of snuff. Mr. Gastly's eyes flashed at the sight of such an exquisite thing, a thing he himself could never afford, and he scowled. Beastly, why don't you go out and see if there is a shopper you can attract, you big lazy sword? Mr. Gasly put both his scrawny arms on his hip and resembled a scarecrow. Mr. Beastly frowned and was about to swing one of his large swollen arms at Mr. Gasly's face when a little witch slipped through the crack in the door. She was old and charred, quite roasted by the Inquisition, and her eyes shone with determination This is Mr. Ghastly, and before we continue with our dark and fiery holiday tale, the bills are overdue, and we must take a brief moment to hear from our sponsors. Welcome back to Beastly and Ghastly. Please let us know if there is anything you'd like to take a closer look at. Nothing is off limits. You the proprietor's here? Aye, both Mr. Beastly and Mr. Ghastly answered. Mr. Beastly lowered his fat arm and Mr. Ghastly rubbed his two thin hands against each other. How can we be of help? Mr. Gastly asked, and his lips attempted something like a smile. In truth, Mr. Gastly was scowling. His dried-up face had only moved in one direction. Have you any toads and adders fork? Gonna make yourself a spell, eh? Mr. Beastly licked his lips, thinking of fat toads. And an eye of newt, if you have it, the witch added. Sage and lavender, if that made its way to hell, but I suspect it did not. Mr. Gastly spat and kept rubbing his hands together. His eyes sparkled with a certain flame when the witch produced a big gold coin from her sleeve. Why, if it's sage and lavender you want, we'll have to get that for you. Mr. Gasly said. Why, if you want Adder's fork, you can just cut Gasly's tongue off and it will serve you all the same, Mr. Beastly remarked. But Mr. Gasly paid him no attention. His eyes followed the gold coin as if glued to it. Let me get you a few things together. Oh, yes, Mr. Gasly wobbled over to a shelf with what looked like Hundreds of little drawers, none labelled, but there was no need. Mr. Gasly could get you what you wanted with his eyes closed. Adder's fork? A nice fat toad? Oh, yes, here's the eye of Newt. Hm. Mr. Gasly rummaged through a few little drawers, one of his eyes still on the gold coin. He licked his lips and his hands shook. Why, I swear we had at least lavender here. Well, will you take cotton? Just as good. Cotton! The witch laughed and moved a singed piece of burnt hair out of her face. I said sage and lavender. Out with it, dead man, or else I will just take what you have here and move on. But Mr. Ghastly continued opening the drawers in hopes of finding even a little sage leaf. The thought of selling goods and getting more for it was too much of a thrill. It was all going so well, Mr. Gastly thought, until the witch suddenly disappeared, and her goods too. Only a single silver coin remained where she stood a moment ago. Ah! exclaimed Mr. Beastly. Would you look at that, Beastly? Mr. Gastly shouted, You could have helped me, you big dumb swine. What good are you to me? Why didn't you help me look? Now all we have is this silver when we could have had gold. It was at this time that the door opened slightly, and a thin dead man walked through. If Mr. Beastly and Mr. Ghastly were to lay their eyes on him, they would see that even for a dead man, he was exhausted and drained. To top it off, the man dragged heavy chains behind him, the chains that weighed him down so much it was a pitiful sight to see him go by. And what a rattle he had made, for the chain was made of deeds, cash boxes, padlocks, keys and all sorts of rubbish that weighs a poor soul down, crushing it all the way down to hell. "'Good sirs,' the stranger said meekly. "'Will you let it go?' Mr. Beastly roared towards Mr. Gasley. "'We had never had sage here, and you know if you were to have it, "'the smell would burn stronger than the smell of poverty itself.' "'But the money!' cried Mr. Gasley, "'The money we could have made!' The stranger got quite close to the two of them, hoping to get their attention. Unfortunately for him, at this precise moment, Mr. Beasley had raised his massive arm and swung it at his partner, who, being accustomed to such tricks, had promptly ducked. It was left to the poor chained stranger to suffer the blow of such great magnitude. It had been a wonder his skull stayed in place. All of a sudden, the stranger's lower jaw had dropped to the ground, exposing a deathly glare that was frightening even to Mr. Beastly and Mr. Gastly. Oh, you big dummy, look what you have done now. Why would you punch a paying customer? Suddenly, the sharp smell of money had entered Mr. Gastly's nostrils, and he looked at the stranger again. This time, closely eyeing the man, right away, Mr. Gastly noticed that it was a man of business and a man of means. While he was among the living, a well-dressed and evidently rich paying customer, Mr. Gastly added silently. Mr. Beasley did not reply, for his eyes still sparkled with wild rage he did manage to nod at the stranger in a way of apology. Yeah, Mr. Gasly hastily grabbed a bandage and passed it to the chain-wrapped ghost, who managed to pick up his now fallen jaw and clank the teeth together as he tied it in place. This is a disagreeable place indeed, the stranger reflected, but I suppose it may as well be like this. "'For I deserve it. I deserve it all,' Mr. Beastly scoffed. "'Deserve it all? What kind of a man asks for penance? "'Why, it may just be the foul stink of Christmas to come "'that had put such thoughts in your tiny head, man.' "'But the stranger was thoughtful.' and did not seem to react to these words. He shook his chains, as if measuring whether the weight had gotten lighter. I am Marley, Jacob Marley, the stranger said. I am here to buy a favor of you fine gentlemen. Here, he eyed the pair suspiciously for the beings in front of Marley were neither fine nor gentlemen. Mr. Gastly was excited. Even before he handed Marley the bandage, he had taken note of the man's neat pigtail and his fine waistcoat, his boots with tassels, and concluded that his purse was full and deep. Here, here! He motioned for Marley to approach and even bowed a little. "'I am Ghastly, and this here is my partner, Beastly. "'Tell us your favour, for we are eager to oblige.' "'Ah, uh, I had a partner once,' Marley exclaimed. "'Oh, wretched, wretched. "'It is on his account that I stand before you, gentlemen. "'You see, my partner is still among the living.' and I would do anything to warn him of this fate, to have some of the harm we had managed to concoct in life undone, and undone for all eternity. For even though I am chained and quite miserable, perhaps I can at least save him from the whole nasty business, save him before he suffers the same wretched fate. Oh, at this... Marley's chains shook violently and produced a sound so awful, the old walls of the dwelling shook. What do you want then? Mr. Beastly asked, crossing his arms. He could not tolerate regret and feeling. The show of human empathy and emotions that he had never felt or understood was too much for him. I must make my way back to the living, Marley said. "'I must find a way to warn him. "'Make it back to the living, or are you quite mad?' "'Mr. Ghastly exclaimed, "'and his mean little eyes got smaller and more menacing. "'Surely this ghost was joking, "'for all the damned creatures know "'that there is no way from hell. "'Once you descend, you do so for eternity.' Yet the man before him was wealthy, that much was clear. He had a demeanour about him not unlike the one Mr. Gasly himself had displayed while living. The prospect of money, the possibility of once again being rich, had plunged Mr. Gasly into thoughts of splendour, delicious thoughts. He was possessed by this possibility, and therefore could not afford to turn the stranger away. Before Mr. Beastly could speak and spoil the plan, Mr. Ghastly attempted a smile. Yet smile it was not, for his leathery face could never manage such a feat, and nodded vigorously. why for a price it can be done!' Mr. Gasly continued while looking for a purse on the stranger's person, for surely it was of respectable size. I would give anything to undo the damage done. Marley put his face in both his hands and cried. His shoulders shook, heavier under the weight of penance than even the weight of the chain that was upon him. Oh... How I want to take it all back. How miserable this existence is to me, and still I cannot change it. If time was a friend to me, if only I had seen what I see now sooner. Calm yourself, Mr. Beastly replied. He was not a man of emotion and was losing patience with their customer. By this time, Mr. Beastly had figured that there was really no remedy to buy and no favor to sell, yet the prospect of easy money was not lost on him. Have you a purse? Mr. Ghastly inquired. Take it. Without so much as a protest, without a slightest bargain or concern, Jacob Marley had detached a cash box off his massive chain and threw it over to the two proprietors. All this only adds weight to my sorrow, and I will have no part of this greed any more. This is Mr. Beastly. We really don't need to take a break, but Mr. Ghastly insists upon it. We'll be back shortly. Just sit tight. Finally! ''On with the story.'' Mr. Gasly's eyes sparkled, and his tongue licked his dried-up thin lips with major excitement. But it was Mr. Beastly who picked up the cash box and promptly hid it in his robe. ''Well, then you must come back after Christmas, and it will all be arranged.'' Mr. Beastly towered over the ghost, his eyes sparkling like two sinister stars. Can't you do something now? Marley pleaded. I stand here before you now and want to give this my immediate attention. Why must you hesitate and drive me further into despair? Calm yourself, man, Mr. Gasly chimed in. Everyone knows that nothing can be done at Christmas, and even if we tried, we would have nothing to show for it. This is a filthy time. Can't you smell it in the air? Even the devil himself will not so much as venture out on a day such as this. Jacob Marley looked around him and put a hand to his forehead. Even as a ghost, he acted in such a human manner It was clear that he had died not even a decade ago. Yet the task of dragging this chain around all this time had caused quite a change, and it was clear that slowly this would wear him out. So perhaps Marley did want to make his chain a little lighter, if not through his conscience, then at least by the warning he meant to give his friend. Very well, Marley said. I shall come back after Christmas. He was about to turn and disappear when something moved in the dark corner. Mr. Beastly stepped closer to it, intending to grab whatever it was that lurked there. To him, it looked like a cat. Don't listen to these fools. A voice pierced through the stillness. It was a familiar voice, and a moment later a cat-like creature made its way into the candlelight. It was a grotesque sight. Neither an animal nor a woman, yet the face was familiar. Ah! cried Mr. Gasly. It is you again. And indeed, the same witch that was at the establishment earlier had materialized and now stood before the men, "'leaning on a bench with a smile on her burnt face. "'She had never left the business, "'but instead had transformed herself into a small mouse "'and then, as befitting to any respectful witch, a cat. "'This whole time she sat in the dark corner, "'entertained by the curious exchange. "'Why, these two could not get you anything of worth.' The witch proceeded, ''I sure do know a pair of liars when I see them. They had tried a similar trick on me just a moment before you came.'' ''You owe me gold!'' Mr. Ghastly cried out suddenly. His mind was on a shiny coin he saw and never got to have. ''I have paid you a fair share!'' The witch scoffed at the man. With a smile, she approached Jacob Marley. So, you want to get back to the place of the living? Well, it is not for me to judge, but I can tell you. The one way, the only way to do so, is to evoke the help of the spirits. I heard there are many spirits out there, but the most powerful roam this place in all others precisely on Christmas Eve. You are in luck, Jacob Marley, for you may have yourself a chance to visit your wretched partner still. Tell me of these spirits, Marley begged. His voice shook with excitement at the possibility. ''Don't listen to her,'' Mr. Beastly interjected. He got used to the weight of a cash box by his side and did not want to part with it. ''I know what I speak of!'' The witch shot a glance at Mr. Beastly, and he felt himself weaken at his knees a little. ''Shoo! Shoo, you beast!'' Mr. Gasly started to approach the witch, but thought better of it, and stopped, unsure of what to do next. It was Mr. Beastly's job to deal with difficult customers. Not even a demon would dare stand up to Mr. Beastly. Yet this witch did not seem to be bothered by either of them. I had done plenty of atrocities and low deeds, the witch had admitted, we all make up for our sins here, so I may as well tell him what I know. It could just count for something one day. Quiet, you, Mr. Gasly cried. But the witch had no time to respond. Before she could give Mr. Gasly a soul-draining stare, Mr. Beastly threw her to the floor. Mr. Ghastly managed to grab a burning lamp off the table and pointed it at the witch. It was not enough for you to be burned once, was it? Must we burn you again, you foul woman? At this, the witch began to shriek and laugh. A laugh so violent and ugly, it turned Mr. Beastly's stomach and Mr. Ghastly looked away from her for fear of meeting that nasty, menacing gaze. Stop! Stop what you are doing! Marley implored. He had never seen such violence before. He shook his chains as hard as he could, and the sound seemed to almost break the little establishment into pieces. In this racket, the witch had a moment to cast a spell or two, And suddenly, the flames sprang up from thin air, their fiery tongues licking at the furniture and the walls. ''What is this?'' cried Mr. Gastly, his mind grasping at the magnitude of the damage to be done and the goods that would certainly perish. Money turned to ash. ''Stop this! Stop!'' But it was too late. The witch had climbed up to the ceiling... Still laughing her menacing, sharp laugh, until she was turned into an ugly cat. The cat paused at the beam where a little wood had rotted, and its eyes met those of the ghost in chains. Jacob Marley, the disfigured voice called out. You must not be deterred by the love that still lives in your heart. Search it for kindness and cry for forgiveness. Invoke the Christmas spirit's name, and if you do a good job of it, surely they will hear you. It will hurt you to do so in hell, but you must, for it is the only way. You will never know how the spirits will accomplish this task or when, for mystery is part of that bargain. Just remember the love you still have, and you don't let it die. With that, the cat quickly slipped through that crack and was gone. It was no use to try and save the store. All the tinctures and torture devices, books of curses and jars of tears had been engulfed by the flames as fast as a stack of hay. Mr. Beastly and Mr. Ghastly stood outside while the shadows of the flames reflected off their dead, dark faces, teasing them both. It was quite an event, this fire. Demons appeared, laughing and shouting with delight, bathing in the flames, throwing ashes all around them like snowballs. The damned souls also came to watch, each laughing and rejoicing at the misfortune of another. Jacob Marley did not stay long. The delighted howls of the demons had drove him away. And besides, he had other matters on his mind. How many years had he been forced to travel the earth in chains? He could not recall. The time was not on his side and he had to make haste. It would be a difficult task to appeal to Christmas spirits, but he knew he had to try. It was hard to stop the commotion, and after some time, Mr. Beastly and Mr. Gastly stopped and gave up. There was no use trying to save anything, no use trying to get help. There is no sympathy in hell. When the place was reduced to a few burning cinders, Mr. Beasley looked at Mr. Ghastly, who had shrunk even more somehow. His little eyes glowed and were as bright as embers with anger. Mr. Beasley rubbed his massive stomach and remembered the cash box he had gotten from Jacob Marley earlier. It was still hanging off his belt, under the big robe. "'Look here, Ghastly,' Cheer up! Mr. Beastly gave his partner a glimpse of what he had. We may just be okay. Let me handle it. Yet Mr. Gastly could not contain himself. Let me have it! he screamed, and extended his shaking hands toward Mr. Beastly. Calm yourself, Mr. Beastly said. I cannot let you lay your hands on this cash box. Have you forgotten your punishment here? It seemed for a moment that Mr. Gastly had retreated. He stood still as if thinking. Mr. Beastly had turned away for a moment, and that is when Mr. Gastly grabbed the cash box off of Mr. Beastly's belt and hurriedly dug his hands into its contents. Mr. Beastly heard the clinking sound of coins, and then silence. In the light of the dying blaze, Mr. Gastly stood holding a cash box filled only with ashes. <laughs> Beastly and Ghastly was written in blood by pie Rational writer with characters based on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. All voices in Beastly and Ghastly's hellscape are brought to life and brought to death by Sarah Sheckles. Beastly and Ghastly is pleasing to the ear even in hell. Because of Mr. David Williams, who is responsible for the post-production audio mastering, score, and ambiance. Thank you for frequenting Beastly and Ghastly. We appreciate your business and hope you will seek to return very soon. Last Box Media Podcast.